Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and our podcast Twitter handle at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you're a first-time listener, be sure to follow and subscribe on Megaphone, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we'll be continuing our 12 Days of Christmas theme, and tonight's episode will cover Patrick Laine, the Finnish phenom. In addition, I'll talk about last night's game, which, uh, well, suffice to say, you probably didn't miss much if you didn't see it. In cheerier news, for our 12 Days of Christmas series, I am continuing our Scandinavian tour with Patrick Laine, our wonderful goal-scoring Finnish phenom who also happens to be a very talented passer, as we've seen this season. When Laine was drafted, most people assumed that he'd basically be something of a one-trick pony. In fact, a lot of his critics thought that his slow skating, big shot, um, and defensive liabilities might be all he could offer to the Jets. He was taken second overall after Winnipeg won a lottery pick, seemingly out of thin air. The Jets were bad, but I think they had a pretty small chance of actually landing a top three pick that season. For the most part, even when Winnipeg is as bad as they have been, they're generally mediocre compared to the rest of the league. Being mediocre in the in the standings usually doesn't give you a great shot at a lottery pick. And yet, here Winnipeg found itself, number two overall pick, Patrick Laine in the bag. Surprisingly, there was a debate as to whether or not the Jets should actually take Yesapuya Yarvi should he be available at that pick. There was obviously no doubt that Austin Matthews was going first, but the number two pick could have either been power forward prospect Yesapuya Yarvi or the goal-scoring phenom, Patrick Laine. There was a surprising amount of debate around this issue, but I think most people knew that the Jets were inevitably going to take Patrick Laine. When you have somebody with the natural raw shooting talent that Laine possesses, it's really hard to say no to that. Puya Yarvi is an extremely good prospect, but what Laine could do with just his raw physical talents and his current shooting ability and playmaking ability, well, it made the decision for Winnipeg very easy. The young Finn was quietly calm and assured of his abilities, confident in what he could do, but also understanding that there was much work ahead of him. In reality, his personality type was the perfect kind of hard-working, yet quiet and reserved individual that Winnipeg tends to love. He wasn't as brash or glitzy or glamorous as some of the other prospects, and he had a biting, sarcastic wit to match his equally deadpanned interviews. Laine, if nothing else, always looked comfortable whenever he was talking to the media, and I mean quite literally. He always looked very relaxed and in a totally passive mood. If anything troubled Patrick, you'd never be able to tell. Naturally, when he was drafted, we were all very excited to see what he could do. We all watched his highlight reel packages on YouTube on repeat, constantly, until the day of the draft. Winnipeggers were all too eager to see what the number two prospect could do for the Jets. Laine's rookie season began in 2016-2017, and in it, he racked up 36 goals. Laine very quickly became one of the hottest names in the NHL, in part because of his fearsome shot that rivaled Ovechkin's. Goalies simply had no idea how to stop it, and his, one of his earliest games and earliest personal victories came against the Toronto Maple Leafs and the first overall pick, Austin Matthews. In what can only be described as something poetic, he scored a hat trick to win the game. I think at that moment, all of Winnipeg fell in love with this young kid. He was uh, 19 years old, basically a baby at this point, and uh, all we'd seen of him was this kind of passive, relaxed face and his YouTube highlight reels. Though he'd had a goal against the Carolina Hurricanes just a game or two previously, it was really against the Maple Leafs that Laine's legend in the NHL began to grow. All of his shots came under very difficult circumstances, and they showcased his unbelievable release. The game-winning goal, an absolute blister of a wrister, just totally beat Frederick Anderson and put the Jets in the OT win column. It was a classic moment that indicated the beginning of the Patrick Laine era in Winnipeg. 
For Jets fans, this was something of a return to form, a bit of deja vu for anyone who'd actually been following the original franchise from the 90s. In Line A, many Jets fans felt that there was something of a return to the Temu Solani era, the finished flash. Line A and Solani were totally different players, and yet it was easy to see why Jets fans so easily latched on to Patrick Steele. In a way, the unfortunate divorce between Solani and the Jets had finally healed up, but now in a totally different package. Here was a kid that totally believed he'd one day be a Rocket Richard trophy winner, and eventually, a cup winner. Patrick is still tracing both dreams for now, but thus far, the early returns on his investment continue to be very positive. Before the age of 21, he'd already amassed 100 career NHL goals. Many players would be lucky to do that in three to four seasons, if not longer, and yet Patrick was able to do it in under three. His extraordinary release, whether at even strength or on the power play, simply was unstoppable. No matter the goalie, many a netminder fell prey to Line's shot. He married a keen sense of deception with an absolutely venomous release, and an incredible ability to find himself in very nice open spaces between defenders. For a kid who's well over six feet, and one of the most well-known names in the NHL, Liney found himself in so many open pockets where he could just rip one from close distances. Even if he wasn't that close to the net, the shot was likely going to go in anyways. Like I said, he may have the best shot in the NHL, even above that of Ovechkin. What people may not have expected were his stick handling, vision, and passing. Most people immediately associate Liney with his pure shot, but he has so many other skills that he was able to display from time to time during the first couple of seasons. That said, Line a was still raw, and last year was something of a learning experience for him. He was paired with players who probably didn't fit the ideal skill sets that he needed to thrive, and in fact, his line was one of the worst in the NHL. Defensively speaking, Line a, Little, and Ehlers, or whatever other winger they put on that line, just did not gel at any point of the season. The combo of Line a and Little remained one of the worst defensive impacts in the entire league. Unfortunately, Line ended up expressing some of his frustration about that line combo earlier this year, when he said he wanted to play with top players, and essentially implied that Little is not in that same category. While he's technically not wrong, it probably wasn't the best idea to put his teammates on blast. Line also said that he immediately reached out to Little after the comment came out, and he did apologize publicly. While what he said probably wasn't the best idea, I do understand his frustration. I feel like in a lot of ways, last year was a season where the Jets tried to throw him into a power forward role. They wanted him facilitating zone transitions all the time, and he was often the puck carrier who was always the one being targeted. While he did struggle mightily to put it all together, he did start to show some signs of early growth, even if the outcome wasn't there yet. He still lost battles along the wall and occasionally handled the puck like a hand grenade, but his zone entries and transitions were noticeably improved as the year went on. For all of his defensive issues, it can't be said that Line wasn't putting in the effort. He really was working hard and trying to round out his game all around. It's the kind of work ethic that Winnipeggers love to see, even if a lot of Jets fans weren't exactly, uh, well, they didn't have many positive things to say about Liney, I'll say that. There were some people who were saying he should actually be traded, especially when he had something of a contract holdout during the offseason. Deep in their hearts, I'm sure they knew they were wrong. But I, irrationally or otherwise, believed in Liney the whole time. I felt like he had so much more to show, and that his techniques were starting to get there, just not the outcomes that he was looking for. After hitting an early career low of 50 points, he could only go up this season. To say that Line's performance this season has been something of a revelation would be putting it lightly. In just a minute, we're going to take a quick look at his start to the season and why he's improved so drastically over the past several months. Patrick Line, Who is he? Finnish wonder kid with a wondrous shot, and that's it? Or is he something a lot more special? I've probably been in more online debates about Patrick Line's individual skill sets than any other player. 
I am absolutely biased, yes, but for some reason I feel an innate desire to defend Laine's honor when it comes to uh, people questioning his skill sets and his ability. Laine has historically been seen as a net negative on any line he's played on, and to be honest, a lot of it is true. Laine, when he came into the league, was actually pretty raw. A lot of the stuff that he was capable of doing on, on Liga Ice just didn't really translate to the NHL yet. Whether that's on the coaching staff, the adjustment from Liga to NHL, or just Laine's own personal abilities, is hard to say. It's probably all of the above. But either way, the first few seasons for Laine looked really good on the score sheet, but were really bad underneath the hood. The more you dug into Laine's underlying metrics, the more you wonder just what kind of player he could be at this level of hockey. If he was something of a Phil Kessel cannon and that was it, you know, that's fine, he's a great scorer and we all love his shot. But we were hoping that he could be a lot more because he showcased more when he was in Finland. If there were doubters as to whether or not Laine could grow and improve his game, they've surely been silenced now. This season has been something of a showcase for Laine's individual abilities and his developing skill set as a two-way playmaker. Now featuring on a line with a true superstar center in Mark Scheifele, Patrick Laine's points totals have started to explode. He's rocking 30 points in 30 games, and most of them are actually assists, not goals. Even more surprising is that, of his 30 points this season, only 7 have come on the power play. Laine is putting up far better results at even strength scoring than he has in any part of his previous career. He's doing all of this with a slightly regressed shooting percentage that's hovering well below his career average of around 13 or 14 percent. Laine has also been passing up better shooting opportunities in favor of passing and distributing to his line mates, which is sort of an unusual change for him. Typically, Laine is always seen as a trigger man, and that's pretty fair to assume that he would be. He is, after all, one of the best shooters in the NHL, if not the best shooter, period. Laine's growth this season has been evident in almost every part of his game, save for maybe some of his defensive reads. He's making better passes, leading breakouts, uh, his edge work appears to have marginally improved, his decision making is better, his vision seems to have gotten sharper, as if it wasn't already sharper enough. Everything about Laine's game is just more complete than it's ever been previously. What's especially interesting to note is that Laine's career Corsi 4 percentage has usually been around 48%. This year he's at 47%. But given the fact that the Jets are also surrendering a lot more on-ice events against due to their defense, perhaps it's not as bad as it looks. He's certainly having much better on-ice results than he did last season when he had some of his worst possession metrics ever. Line A last season was a shell of himself, and he wasn't really able to drive play or even get that many shots on net compared to what he usually does. He was the subject of much scorn and frequent line demotions, despite the fact that other guys like Kyle Connor were actually struggling just as badly, but had more even strength points to hide their mistakes. This season has been a totally different story, and I'm so happy that Laine is finally starting to realize his true potential. He's clearly put in a lot of time and effort in, in defining his game and developing his game to a more complete, all-around NHL scoring threat. He can do it all, whether it's with his peerless passing or his amazing shot. He hasn't even scored that many goals this season, and he's already got 30 points. If you told me that, nearly a third of the way through the season, Laine would be 4th or 5th in goal scoring on the team, I'd never have believed you. But that's where we are. While I do wish Laine would actually shoot more and be a bit greedier, I am happy to see that his game overall has progressed to a level that's actually quite positive. He's got a natural chemistry with Mark Scheifele at center, and with the way that they play together, it just seems like a natural fit that they would eventually find each other on the same line. They're both very intelligent players with terrific shots, so it stands to reason that, when they're paired together, they'll usually score a lot of points. While the underlying metrics haven't been all that positive for that line, I mean, not many guys are doing that well, period, it is positive to see that the even-strength scoring has started to return for them. The two are a potent threat together, and force teams to adapt to their speed whenever they're on the ice. Line A should be especially happy because it'll mean his next contract is especially lucrative, considering he took a two-year holdover deal into a real contract. 
Liney has developed himself into one of the best playmakers on the Winnipeg Jets, and his continued progression couldn't have come at a better time. Right now the Jets are especially vulnerable, and they need to see leadership from their young core. Patrick leading the way along with Mark Shifley is a great sign for the team, and something that I think should be followed closely over the next few seasons as the kids start to take over the leadership of this team. Line A may be a quiet interviewer, generally speaking, but watching him play on the ice speaks absolute volumes about what he's capable of and what he wants to do at this level of hockey. He's truly been a gift to Winnipeg, and we're so blessed to get to watch him every game. Line A being so successful has also allowed other players to step out of the shadow, including guys like Nick Ehlers, Jack Roslovic, you name it. We're all looking for these young kids to really step up their games. Winnipeg has a lot of unsung heroes who are actually top talents, and Line A is starting to pull himself out of the unsung category. Once Patrick's goal-scoring form returns, I can't imagine that there's going to be a team in the NHL that can stop him. He's starting to pull all of his skills together along with his deft handiwork and his edge work. A lot of it just seems to be brute force improvement, and this is great for the Jets because he has so much potential and a sky-high ceiling if he ever hits it. As far as what the future holds for Patrick, I really can't say. While many have called him cocky, I actually think that he's quietly humble in a way that a lot of other players aren't. He's very confident in his own skill sets, but... He's also very hardworking, and he seems to be a relentless improver. I don't get the sense that he likes sitting around and waiting for things to happen. He's somebody who wants to be part of the action at all times, and he wants to play with the top players because he knows he can finish and create more with them at his side. As an incredibly gifted and naturally skilled player, he wants to be paired with the best so that he can show off his best skills. I think that's a pretty fair ask, and if this season is anything to go by, Liney has absolutely earned his top flight spot. If he continues to work on his physical play, especially along the walls where he's already shown some improvement this season, he'll be a force to be reckoned with. In some ways, he's as cerebral as Toby Enstrom was, just a bit more awkward to watch. Line A often tries to position himself in the right spot, it's just getting his actual body to follow suit that's always been the challenge. The more he learns to work within his physical constraints and work around them, the better he'll become and the closer to reaching his healing he'll get. In short, Patrick Liney has made watching Winnipeg a true joy, and there's no one else like him in the league. I don't think it'll be too long before he starts earning himself some goal-scoring trophies, and I hope he retires a jet because he truly is a fun player to watch. The Caps have stuck with Ovechkin for years, and it's paid off handsomely. I hope Liney has the same kind of career trajectory, even if it's not quite the same level of player. If you stuck with me this far, I really appreciate you listening. In just a brief moment, we're going to check out last night's game against the Detroit Red Wings, a rematch of Tuesday's game. <sighs> you like the smell of that? That's the smell of disappointment, which uh, every now and again we get a whiff of that with the Winnipeg Jets. After the excitement that abounds with Patrick Laine, I have to say that I regret to report last night's game was not particularly good. You'd think that after embarrassing Detroit on Tuesday that the Jets would put on a pretty good performance on the road, especially with such a strong road record that they have, against the Red Wings again in the same week. But uh, that didn't really happen, actually. They, they were quite a bit worse this time around. Look, I gotta be honest, the Jets were just straight-up crap, and I feel like they all know it. I think the coach knows it, the team knows it, the staff know it. It happens. But wow, getting outplayed by a team that actually put out a worse lineup than it did on Tuesday and getting badly outplayed at that, that's just no bueno. I get that the Jets have had a pretty busy schedule, but holy crap, man, I mean, they got smoked by the Red Wings, and it wasn't even close. From the puck drop, the Jets just seemed a bit lackadaisical and slow, and I feel like Detroit had a lot more to prove than the Jets did, which is not surprising. Winnipeg kind of paddled them in the last game, and I think that they probably felt like they needed to put out a pretty good showing against the Jets team that's actually not that good either. I just can't say that I expected as many mental gaffes and poor mistakes from the Jets as 
they ended up committing in rather egregious form. One of the goals that sticks out the most, to my mind, is the Nate Beaulieu uh, goal from Darren Helm. Had Beaulieu kind of fumbled the puck along the blue line. He was skating back towards his own zone, and then I'm not 100% sure what happened. I don't know if he just got capped by the ref or what, but whatever it was, Helm had an easy breakaway, and Hellebuck really didn't have that much of a chance. It's just so sloppy to see that happen, especially when you're already getting badly outplayed and you kind of make a really bad mental gaffe like that. Under pressure, I might add, but not that much pressure. Ugh. You just don't want to see it, especially from your defensive players who haven't really been doing all that well this year. The unfortunate thing is that Bolu was supposed to be an improvement for this blue line unit, especially coming back to full health, but I don't know, man. Bolu's been a disaster for this team thus far. It really sucks because I actually did like him when he was playing for us last season. I felt like he was a pretty decent acquisition and he did alright for the Jets. He wasn't doing anything elaborate, just kind of playing a simple meat and potatoes kind of game with some occasional moments of flash, but that's really all I wanted from him. I didn't really want a whole lot of pizzazz or anything special. Just somebody who could make competent plays and reads, keep things out of the uh, defensive end. This year we've kind of seen the return of Nate Beaulieu uh, from his Buffalo days, which I alluded to in an earlier podcast. Um, And it's really a shame because the Jets just don't have that much defensive depth. Um, Last night was especially bad for him, but I mean, this season has been sort of something of a train wreck thus far. It's kind of funny that I'm criticizing him because he actually had an assist on Kyle Connor's goal last night, but (laughs) even then it's just not enough. Not enough would probably describe the rest of Winnipeg's effort. I mean, they were down 3-0 before they even recorded their first goal, and uh, they were getting pretty badly outshot for a majority of the game. And look, I get it, you're on the road in Detroit, you just smacked the Red Wings down. I mean, you'd expect something of a response. But holy cow, dude, that was Detroit's eighth win of the season. Their eighth win of the season. Ugh. What's worse is the out-of-town scoreboards really didn't reflect well for the Jets. Uh, St. Louis beat Vegas, Minnesota beat Edmonton. Minnesota we don't really care about, but, you know, still don't want to see it. And right now the Avs are beating New Jersey. So, not an ideal situation for the Jets. Paying attention to the leaderboards at this time of the year is kind of not really super relevant until it gets, you know, probably January, February, you start to think about it a little bit more. That said, it would have been nice to have a higher position in the division than, you know, third. Given where this team is at, I'm definitely happy that we are in third and in a a playoff spot with a decent margin of safety. It's just I feel like the Jets could have been better and they they don't want to drop points if they want to make the playoffs. Also, not playing on the road during the playoffs would be a nice boon if they can somehow find a way to work that in. Starting off at home and getting an early lead in the playoff series that they'll eventually play would be a, a nice way to open open the postseason. Speaking of the New Jersey Devils, there is a surprise announcement that appears to be imminent. Uh, it looks like Taylor Hall is about to be traded, which has been rumored for a couple of weeks now, but he's like seriously packed up his bags from what it sounds like, um, and he was pulled in tonight's game against the Colorado Avalanche. We've been hearing a lot that the Avs are probably one of the highest suitors for this this guy, so I'm not really thrilled about that prospect. Hall's a very good player, and the Avs are a pretty decent team, so him factoring in alongside someone like McKinnon is just disgustingly good. In his prime, Hall is one of the best players in the NHL, and it's not really close. He's an offensive force to be reckoned with, and it would totally suck to see him uh, score quite a few goals against the Jets or, you know, any of our division rivals. I think that Colorado has the cap space. I'm kind of wondering if they have the assets to make the deal, but if they do, 
Hall would be a great addition to that squad. He's kind of in the right age range that they'd probably be targeting. For where their club is at too, it makes a lot of sense. I think that both parties probably want some change in the room, and Hall would push the Avs into cup contender territory. I still don't know if I 100% trust Colorado, especially with their goalie health right now, but they get their starting goaltenders back at, to full strength, I think that they have a legitimate shot. As legitimate as anyone else, that's for sure. They've got a nicely balanced squad and quite a bit of scoring depth, so we'll see what they do. They have a bit of a leaky back end in some areas, but overall the team is very decent and, and well-rounded, so kind of be curious to know what they end up going with. All I can say is that I'm very eager to see what the return on the Hall trade is. Uh, wingers who are on expiring deals usually don't get that much, but Hall's not an ordinary winger, and he's on the younger side for some of the guys that have been traded before. I'm sure we'll have some kind of announcement within the next day or so, so be sure to tune into tomorrow's podcast and, and see if the trade's actually gone through yet. I am low-key hoping it does because it gives me something to talk about, and it's kind of a cool trade. So with that, I'd like to bid you guys adieu. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, have a great night. Go Jets go!